Hey everyone, got a special surprise for your podcast feed if you are subscribing right now. I am Mike, I am out of town this weekend, but I have an hour-long podcast for you anyway. This is something that I recorded this week with our buddy Chris Kerberfer. You have probably heard him several times on the show over the years. He invited me to talk a little bit on his Kerb blog series about the early days of Dragon Ball fandom. And what ended up happening was we talked for far longer <laughs> than uh, I think either of us anticipated, and it's basically a full podcast episode. So what you have coming into your ears is that conversation. He asked me to talk about those early days of Dragon Ball fandom and then to kind of spoil the entire hour-long discussion. What that really meant was talking about comparing Funimation's English dub to the original Japanese because that's what early fandom was, at least in terms of my fandom coming in in that second wave. So you'll hear a little bit about how Konzenshu started in the earlier days of the prior websites, some of the earlier websites that were out there at the time. I don't really remember what we talked about, so I'm going to listen to it right now with the rest of you. Enjoy the show, and we will hit you back in the next week or so as we approach Revival of F. Check it then. This is a Blog. It's about Dragon Ball. Welcome, everybody. This is the first of uh, hopefully seven uh, DBZ-related Kerblogs leading up to the premiere of uh, the new Dragon Ball Z movie, Resurrection F, uh, premiering uh, in the U.S. for the first time on uh, April 11th, and I'm going to be going to that. So this is the first of seven leading up to that weekend. And uh, so before I get into this, and my guest who is being patiently quiet, um, I want to give a little thing here to... Um, oh, I'll, have, I'll have some annotations on the screen. I have actually done some Dragon Ball Z-related curb blogs in the past, uh, four of which that I recommend to you. The first one is... The Tale of the Magical DBZ Videotape, uh, which is a little fun story, uh, followed by The Study of Goku, which I did with uh, Takahata101 from Team Four Star. Uh, Why DBZ Kai Deserves to be Watched, which I did late last year when it started airing on uh, Adult Swim. And then finally, Super DBZ, A Hidden Gem, which I talked about uh, my favorite DBZ video game with my guest, who is here with me now, uh, Mr. Mike Labrie. Say hi, Mike. It's me, Michael Labrie, also known as Fujito oh, EX, whatever you want to call me. It's all good. What's up, dude? Well, on that on that note, actually, uh, I don't even think you really got that much of a proper introduction on the last one that we did together, which was, that was like, must have been like half a year ago at this It was point. seven months ago because I just re-listened to it today. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes, I, I did see that. So we're recording this on like Wednesday and this will be going up on Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, so Mike, Mike, please tell the, the internet people out there, especially because I probably have a lot more subscribers now who don't, maybe, maybe don't know who you are. Who, who, who are you? What do you do? Tell me your secrets. <laughs> I have many secrets. Many of them I cannot tell here on this show. Uh, my name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX. Uh, it's a screen name I came up with when I was 15 years old. That was a long time ago. It was more than half my life ago. Uh, so I run a Dragon Ball website with three of my best buds in the world. It is called Kanzenshu. K-A-N-Z-E-N-S-H-U-U. It's a fusion of two prior websites. Some of them, and by some of them I mean the two of them that you may have heard of, uh, Kanzentai and Daizenshu EX. Uh, and my work online dates back to January 1998 when I launched Vegito EX's Ultimate DBZ links page, and it turned into Vegito EX's homepage, and then Daisenshu EX, and here I am. So many years later, uh, we run a very, 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 very large established Dragon Ball website. We cover all the news that you would expect, but we dig into massive guides and translations, and we're doing a podcast 
podcast for almost 10 years now, if you can believe it. And that's my life. How are you, Chris? I'm I'm lovely. Uh, and I have been going to uh, Mike's website for a very long time. I'm trying to remember exactly. It was, it was when it was Daisenshu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get into probably the, the story of that when we when we delve into the, the real topic here. But uh, okay. I want to give also Mike some extra credit. For those of you who maybe know about this but don't know the connection, uh, Mike is also the helmsman of uh, several infamous uh, Dragon Ball Z-related April Fool's jokes oh, from many years ago. They've been so much fun. Uh, what, what, one of which was, uh, I believe it was Emperor Pilaf as a playable character in uh, Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle 22. That was the game that I played on. No, Continue. you have it wrong. No, you didn't do that? Come on, man. Oh, you didn't first do that? Off, oh, I thought you did do first that. First off, it was Final Bout, and second, it was... Oh, Final Bout. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Final Bout. I yes. helped with yes, it, yes, but yes. It, we actually put that up on... She wasn't my wife at the time. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, Mary, Temple of Trunks. We put that up on her website for One April Fool's. That's right. Okay. Well, either way, but you were directly involved with it. And then probably more infamous the April Fool's joke that wasn't the the creation of Dragon Ball AF, but it was certainly something that kept people talking about it and th- being utterly convinced that it was a real thing for a very long time. Oh, yeah. But um, by no stretch of the imagination did we come up with AF. Um, I don't think you'll ever be able to track down the original first who said AF is a thing, but it was 2004 that we did that. And we came up with a... I mean, my commercial was so-so, but Julian's print advertisement in full Japanese was pretty spectacular. And and I just love how full circle it is with Time Patrol trunks. All these <laughs> exactly. Characters like, turning God. evil. Well, yep, man. We did it. And, and, you, and you could say um, uh, well, does, wait, does, does Trunks turn evil in Xenoverse? No, I he doesn't. Happens. I wish he did, because then we could have sued, but not really. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, oh, and also, of course, uh, Vegito EX voices the uh, incredibly important character of Apul in uh, Dragon Ball Z Abridged yes. by Team Four Star. <laughs> that's true. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> which, which Kaiser Neko, our, our buddy Scott, cast you purely on the sense of you are the biggest Apul fan in the goddamn world. <laughs> yeah. I'm, all right. So like the 30 second version of that is uh, I wanted to champion a character who didn't get much exposure. And I was working on a character guide, let's say 12 or 13 years ago. This still hasn't seen the light of day. And I get sick of writing long character bios. So I wrote one for Apul. Then I decided he was the best character ever and then they started actually putting him in video games and it was kind of <laughs> horrifying and hilarious to me at the same time he he and uh oren orlen whatever yeah, the, yeah. The, the orange version of him are both in dragon ball Z universe they are they are <laughs> J- just for you so this is going to be a little bit of a longer one because thankfully uh mike is going to help with with uh extending past my limit of usually <laughs> being i'm just blowing the lid off of my entire limitations of only being able to have videos exported that are 20 minutes or, or so long without uh you know, having to go beg people for help. But uh, anyway, so, so, and, and this is good because we're going to probably tell some fun stories. So this, this first topic, which I wanted to kick things off with on this whole seven blogs of Dragon Ball shit was, uh, I want to talk about the early days of fandom for Dragon Ball in the US. And to start kind of chronologically, because Mike, you were uh, a fan of the series before I discovered it. Uh, I want to kind of go chronologically with it and have you tell, t- tell me like, the I guess the, maybe the cliff notes of like how did you discover the show and and get really really big into the to the point where you made like the first version of your website and then kind of 
go from there and then I'll probably pop in and interrupt you at some point. By all means, interrupt me. So I would consider myself a second generation fan in North America, both as a fan and as websites, because at the time, if you were a fan, you were running a website. There were so many websites that you basically just did that out of obligation. So I was like sort of aware that the series existed, but not really. I didn't really care. I saw it in the back of Electronic Gaming Monthly, EGM, which was a huge video game magazine at the time. If you would look in the back of the magazines, you would see ads for what were import video game shops, but they were big into anime stuff as well. So they'd have soundtracks, all that kind of stuff. And it was primarily the Super Battle Collection figures that I saw. So it was this long slew of characters with golden hair and then kind of like the exact same character next to him with black hair. I was like, oh, this is kind of dumb. I don't really care. So I was you know, vaguely aware that this thing existed. So then in 1996, I was a freshman in high school. I'm dating myself horribly here. I had a friend <laughs> who was super, super into comics, like American comics. I believe his favorite series was Spawn that he was reading. Um, so I don't know if it was through comics or through something else, just being into that scene. Uh, he caught this really cool cartoon one September morning and he told me, hey, you know, check out the next episode next week. And I did, which would have been the second episode of Funimation's original syndication TV broadcast of their Dragon Ball Z dub. I forget what the name of that second episode was, but it was, you know, the, the that, Rad- that was that was Rad- Rad- Raditz stuff. flying off with Gohan exactly. and Goku and Piccolo. OK, yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And here we are in 2015. <laughs> Look at me now. So that kind <laughs> of uh, I mean, it was love at first sight kind of thing. I mean, it was the largest obsession that I've probably ever had in my life immediately stemming from that. I mean, we had start of internet connectivity between our families and stuff. So we were getting online, sort of, and printing out these terrible black and white dot matrix printer kind of things and trying to learn as much as we could. (laughs) I thought Kudadin was Krillin's father. I didn't know what was going on, (laughs) what was what. Wait, no, no, I got one better for you. I thought Vegito was because my best friend Mike Lucas, we didn't know shit. He was like, dude, I think Vegeta, I think like Vegeta and Bulma get together and they have a kid and it's Vegito. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't. <laughs> tell we had no idea so it was just i immediately fell in love and i'm the kind of person where if i fall in love with something i need to know everything about it so that just turned into learning that the series was a japanese cartoon and things were different over there and it was actually just wrapping up in japan with dragon ball gt in 97 Uh, i got my first internet connected computer at the tail end of 97 and by january 98 i started my as i mentioned before fujito ex's ultimate dbz links page like it was pretty quick for me. So going from there, I mean, you know, you started amassing all this knowledge and, uh, you know, then in comes folks like Julian, who's, you know, the translator aficionado of uh, this community you guys have built. And then, uh, of course, Mary, who later went on to be your wife and she was running Temple of Trunks, the the ultimate Trunks fangirl website. It sure was. Uh, st- still, still never been topped to this day. <laughs> and um, she'll be glad to hear that. And was it was it who Geo started Consentai? Uh, yeah, Consentai right? started in two thousand five. Okay, so that was much later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so there was just there, there just became this whole. And I'm trying to remember some of the other ones too back in the day because uh, I said this on the the one with Taka. Uh, <laughs> the first episode of Dragon Ball Z I ever saw, which at the time I was confusing it. I think I think I was combining. Dragon Ball and Double Dragon in my head as the same thing. Like, it was, it was that vague to me. I didn't know shit. As you are 
apt to do with those two completely different things. Of course, completely, yeah. Uh, and the first episode I ever saw, and I, I think I said this in your podcast as well, is, was the episode with Bulma and the crab on Planet Nanak. <laughs> oh, that's right, the, yeah. <laughs> the infamous filler episode. It's the yeah. first episode I ever saw, but just at the end, her getting held up by, I think it was a blue, Blueberry and Raspberry, the, the two so. stupid Frieza soldiers. Yeah. Like, that was enough to be like, ooh, this continues. This this show has like an overarching story that like continues into the next episode. That was enough to hook me. Oh my god, that hooked you. Imagine if you saw something good. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. And and then I just, you know, I would I would see this was back when the those of you who don't know about this, this was when the yeah, Funimation's original run of the what what they called the Saiyan saga and the Namek saga were running over and over and over, like those like what, sixty episodes or whatever, like just constantly in loop, uh, you know, syndicated on TV. Uh, then eventually they, it got on Cartoon Network. They had the newer episodes. And then, of course, if you guys know my story from uh, the Magical DBZ videotape, I talk about how I discovered the, the transformation volume of the Frieza Saga tape. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're actually fighting Frieza. You know, I, I had still no context for what was going on. Got into that, etc., and uh, and and yeah, then I was just completely full on hooked with the whole thing, and and it was it was that magical time of like not knowing absolutely everything about like who absolutely. all the characters were, and you know, but and and now it's like I mean, you know, we were joking off camera before of like um you know the the preview screening for the new movie is going to be coming out. Uh, at the end of this month, and I can guarantee the whole plot of the movie is going to be leaked immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. You know, in, in somehow, some way. Yeah, and then I'm trying to remember, and for to pop in other other bits and pieces about this. Well, here's the thing. So that's how we got into the series and how I started working on my website. What else do you want to know about, let's call them, the early days, whether that be fandom or online fandom? What about it is interesting or mysterious to you? Well, okay, well, uh, th- this, this I... I actually was surprised to find out because I went back and I listened to all the DBC curb blogs I already did. I was surprised to find out that I didn't talk about this. You and I also come back from the days of, uh, of fan sub VHSs. Right. Um, you know, which is a long dead thing now because why? You can just download everything for free immediately. Bootleg everything. Yay. Don't really do well, that. It's not even that anymore. I mean, we live in a world where I come home from work Friday and watch the latest episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which had already been up there for a couple hours immediately after its Japanese debut. I mean, we live in the future and it is glorious. Yes. Thankfully, now we, we also have companies that are being smart enough to combat that for sure. Okay. So we didn't have immediate access to everything because everything that, you know, on normal like casual viewer of the show would be witnessing would just be whatever's on Cartoon Network for the most part because that's the majority of where the whole show aired for me like I, and I can't I wish I could remember like other specific sites that I used to go to because I would read like you know episode summaries and like saga summaries of like this is what happens in the Boo saga and this is what happens in this and this and just trying to picture in my mind like what the hell any of this was right, right. so like so so for me I watched the majority of the entire show either as it was airing on Cartoon Cartoon Network, or if I would go to a Target or something and stock up, because this was back when I, you know, Funimation would actually release um, the VHS tapes of episodes long before they would air on TV. Uh, so I, you know, I was keeping up with the Boo Saga and a lot of that stuff like on tape before it was airing. Um, you know, how did you kind of get to know the entire? Did, did you get to know the entire material of the series before it finished airing uh, on American television? Like, how did you go about that? 
Oh, yeah, long before. And that's the thing. For the, those early days of Dragon Ball fandom, you could not, I mean, never mind the first TV series, which had limited subtitles. Uh, you could not watch DBZ 1 through 291 in order. Like, it, it could not be done. Even if you had, for example, like raw tapes, there were certain episodes that, I mean, there were only a couple people that were recording episodes on VHS and then even sending them to fan subbers. Mm-hmm. So there's one episode in particular, I think it's episode 250. It's around the time that, um, Gohan is getting his special training from the uh, the Elder Kaioshin. Uh, that episode just didn't make its way to fan subbers. That w- episode was always missing on fan sub tapes. And a later thing happened with uh, GT episode sixty, which crazily enough was Super Saiyan Four Gogeta. Like no one had that episode subtitled oh my for God, years. Wow. Like whoever was responsible for taping and sending, they forgot to do it that week. So it, you could not watch the series in order, you had to piece it together from the currently airing dub, from new dub VHS tapes coming out, from fan subs, from reading synopses online. There was no, let me just go to Hulu and binge watch. You could not do that. And and it's interesting too, because the, I'm trying to remember also like specific now, this whole episode, I'm trying to remember this thing. Or, uh, <laughs> no, but there, life, there were people, there were certain folks who ran sites that like, they, they just had, they were either living in Japan or they had access to stuff or whatever. Like there was a guy, I remember, I think you guys mentioned on your podcast who like was doing like weekly episode summaries of new episodes that were airing of gt like that week in japan like they were living there or whatever right so uh, the, the person you're talking about his name was curtis hoffman and he got his okay. claim to fame he started by doing synopses of entire manga volumes like he would buy volume one and do an entire synopsis of it that's where we got a lot of kind of fan names that have really stuck around to this day like Ultra Super Saiyan for and Mystic Gohan. Mystic Go- and, I don't know yeah, that Mystic yeah. came from there. Maybe it did. I can't quite remember if I tracked down the source on that. Yeah, so okay. he was responsible for a lot of that. And yes, he was doing uh, GT episode summaries, episode by episode. So that's how we got a lot of the early documentation on what's the name of this episode, when did it air, what happened this episode. Um, so he was. I mean, you look back, he was kind of like the proto what we wanted to be and accomplish and set out to do. And I and I think about that because like I I was kind of just on like the end of that period of like you know because i think by the time that i got into it and i was like really having all this access you know of information is like everybody kind of knew everything because everything was available you know ever, ever just about everything was available it, even you know by that point i think uh you know because what by 2001 z all of z had aired and all of it was on a home release and you know uh steve simmons the longtime translator of, of the show who's been working at funimation all that time now you know had done proper translations of everything so that there so there was like a real, like, this is the show, this is the way it's supposed to be, there's no, like, misinterpretation shit from anybody, you know, people Because, you know, I'm sure also there were people probably back then being like, oh, this character is actually this thing, and this is the brother of this guy, or what, like, like, like just nonsense, right. like, just rumors or whatever, you know, let alone shit like AF, which was also popping up. So I, I guess kind of going back into the, into the, the story portion of it as well, um, for me, uh, so my, my kind of first exposure to, I guess, what you could call the, the uncut version of DBZ was strangely enough uh, something that I know you kind of have a soft spot for was the Mexican Spanish dub of yeah. the show Telemundo yes yeah, so yeah on uh, Telemundo Sunday mornings and, and by the way I say specifically Mexican Spanish dub because there are what five Spanish dubs right for there's, the, there's the main Spain Spanish dub but then there's I think four other dialects 
over in that area of Europe that all got their own individual separate Spanish dubs. And then there's the yeah, there's the series, and then I think also Kai has a separate cast because they didn't get most of the actors back for that as well. It's, right. Yeah. So you so I, I would actually say that the the the, the Spanish language production of DBZ is even more complicated than the English language <laughs> yeah, it one, is. which that's fucking saying something. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, because you think about we've got uh, Philippine dubs of certain things, and we've got all these alternate dubs with Ocean and Sister Studios and the uh, Big Green dub, which our buddy Ryan coined. I think everyone coined it that earlier. Yeah, just, just kind of, of that was around. that was kind of a hive mind collection, yeah, collective yeah. Uh, title of that. And we're still waiting for that ocean dub of Kai to come. That's out. right. It's coming any uh, day now. It's coming. I I know it exists. <laughs> um. So so I, I would catch. I, I think I just caught like a frame of of uh, Doctor Garo uh, running through the ravine in the android arc. And I was like, whoa, Dragon Ball Z's on. And I was like, oh, it's the Spanish. Oh, oh, this is the Spanish version of it. Oh, okay, cool. And I noticed immediately that the music was different. Mm -hmm. I guess this must have been a little bit of a rarity to people who just, you know, were so... The version I watch on Toonami, for whatever it is, is the version that the show is, and I accept nothing else. Uh, I loved the music. I loved what I would later find out to be uh, Shunsuke Kikuchi's original music immediately. And I would look forward every morning to singing along to the Spanish version of Chala Hechala, <laughs> of which I had no idea what the hell he was saying. And and funny story, too, this is going to tie into my uh, finding your website. So as a youngin, I used to collect a lot of midis <laughs> on oh my places God. like, uh, you know, VG Music. This was back before getting MP3s was just the easiest thing in the goddamn world. And so I would try to look for midis of Dragon Ball music, but uh, and, and I couldn't find certain things. Like, for instance, I didn't know what the hell the, the Japanese opening of the show was called. Right, I so just what do you search for? I, I just tried looking on, like, Yahoo or AOL or whatever for like Spanish Dragon Ball Z theme song opening or whatever and I and I just couldn't track it down. One day I'm on VG Music or or something like that. Or no no, I don't I think I think I found your site and you had the lyrics section and I see Chala Hedgela, and then I'm like, just suddenly after, like, th th I'm, this must have been like a year or two of searching. I just couldn't find this thing. And then I was like, wait a minute. Shana, que para, whatever the hell I was hearing like, him. Oh, like, that's Chala. That <laughs> that's what it is. Ah, you know, so finally I put Tuna together and then I found it. I'm like, this is the, this is what I've been searching for all my life. And then, and then of course from there, you know, we got a power and Bokutachi and all the, the Japanese themes, you know. And, uh, and, and so the main reason I would come to your site for a very long time, it felt like, was to pull up the lyrics while my parents were out and go to the kitchen computer <laughs> and play my midis and try and sing along with it. I, I, I knew that Japanese was A-E-O-U, so I just kind of finagled my way to try to do, do the lyrics. <laughs> and then, like, years later, when I'd actually get the MP3s or, like, I'd hear them on the, on, on the DVDs or something, I'd be like, oh, that's how you pronounce that word. Oh, that's how it was supposed to sync up with the, the, the track or whatever. So my first exposure to Kanzenshu, or sorry, uh, uh, Daizenshu at the time, EX was the lyric section was was like my little hub on there for ages and ages and of course I guess we have uh, Julian to thank for his translations for uh, for all those yeah I'm glad we could service you with lyrics <laughs> and then uh, I, I'm trying to think of some other stuff as well from kind of around that time um, well I guess do you do you have any like other kind of interesting experiences or stories of like 
you know, I, I guess maybe like in it's before like Daisenshu became kind of the uh, the pillar that it is now, you know, because I, I said this on the last one we did too. It's like, you know, you guys have really earned your keep as like, you know, authoritative. Hey, we know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. We do our research properly, you know, kind of stuff on on when it comes to Dragon Ball. But, um, you know, when you were still just like, okay, I'm, I'm still just like watching the show for what it is. I'm getting into it. I'm, I'm seeing these movies for the first time, these episodes for the first time. Were there any like particular parts where like, I don't know, just like memories of like watching certain movies or episodes with friends or just something like that. Anything like in particular that kind of sticks out to you? I mean, there's so many. There's just little moments here and there. And of course, one you always have to go back to is when Gohan transforms um, after 16's head is crushed. There's an insert song there in the Japanese version, um, Day of Destiny, Spirit versus Spirit. And it's a vocal song that just has this amazing atmosphere to it. And then, you know, you kind of have to say here, in the English dub, Gohan's just yapping. There's no song. Like, it was a completely different experience. And I didn't see that English version for years. I mean, that was yeah. the, we were looking forward to, how's Funimation going to ruin this scene? Like, that's how oh, it was. Because that scene was so moving to so many people. So there was that. And something I was thinking about earlier, this kind of ties into, we were talking about GT and it's airing. Uh, and so in 1997, GT came to a close. Some of the first tapes I got, uh, like fan sub tapes, were in 1997. Uh, a friend and I traded with someone we met in a random chat room online. I got episodes, DBZ episodes 94 through 105, something like that. So that would okay. include episode 95, where Goku transforms into a Super Saiyan for the first time. That you know that blew my mind. So many, I knew what I was getting. So it wasn't like, oh my god, this came out of nowhere. Like we specifically asked for those are the episodes we want. So that was amazing. But then the next tapes that I ordered all on my own from a legitimate fan sub distributor who's called Capsule Corporation, original name there, was Uh. DBZ Movies 11 and 12, so Bayer, Broly, and Janemba, uh, the two DBZ TV specials, Bardock and Trunks, and then uh, GT, episodes 59, and then like I was saying earlier, no one had episode 60, so I missed Gogeta, and then 61 through 64. And that would have been, I mean, for the time, a turnaround, getting a raw tape of something that aired so recently was kind of unheard of. I mean, it was new to them at the time. I just happened to catch them at the right time. They had just gotten them in. So to be able to watch that and know, like, no one, I mean, no one, no one has seen this before. This is so incredible. And to this day, for me, the end of GT doesn't have subtitles. And I'm super weirded out when I pop in a Funimation DVD and the end of GT has subtitles on it. Like, that's not supposed to have words on the screen to me. Oh, God. It's, See, that's, it's super yeah, that, weird. That's, that's something... I- I don't, I don't have that. You know, okay. I'm glad that, uh, and Team Four Star kind of addressed this about, um, and, and they're, they did their, their, uh, 25 days of DB Sember, uh, a couple months ago. And I think that you even talked about this maybe once in an episode. There's certain things that we just like don't inherently get because we did, we weren't there. We didn't have that. Like, you know, the, the biggest one being like, Goku, you're an alien. It's like, I can't exactly. fucking imagine right. what that must have been like for people living in Japan, growing up with either like, you know, how many volumes of the manga by that point? Like 20 something, right? 16. And then like, a, okay, 16 volumes of the manga and 150, like nine, 60 episodes of Dragon Ball. Z starts, Goku, you're an alien. It's like, what the, can you even imagine? No, you can't. It's like nobody can. Nobody can imagine what that must be like for anybody. Right. It's it's like impossible because even with Kai, with the new kids, you know, getting to to experience DBZ for the first time, they're having DBZ. 
It's right there in the first episode. Goku, you're an alien. Done. Like, you don't have the whole multiple years of history with this is this kid with magical powers who's the savior of the world and blah, blah, blah. You're an alien. It's like, there, you can't have that. And on a smaller scale, it's like, yeah, I imagine, like, you know, when, when you're a kid, it's just like, oh, cool, Gohan goes Super Saiyan. You're not even thinking about what you're comparing it to. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, seeing Gohan go Super Saiyan 2 fighting against Perfect Cell on Tsunami thinking, oh, this is awesome. And, like, you know, then, then the rest of the fight and him defeating him and everything. Um, you know, and not even thinking about, you know, whatever it was originally or anything. I, I, it just wasn't even in my mind. But, yeah, I can't imagine, like, because – and, and I, I know, actually, yes, I can imagine because – I had that experience for a good time with shows like One Piece, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, also before that with uh, Mega Man NT Warrior, um, which I used to be hardcore into, rather Rockman EXE in, in originally, and uh, you know I'd see like I, like just moments like that where it's like shut up, please stop, please shut up, oh my god, you were annoying the crap out of me, can you be quiet for two seconds? Like I I can't imagine like seeing that scene being completely like this is the coolest goddamn thing ever, and then no offense. Stephanie Nadalny, 16, you loved life. I'm going to keep talking about how affected I am instead of having any emotional impact whatsoever. It's like, oh, I I look back on that now and I'm just like, oh, no wonder people fucking hated this. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I I hate to bring it up so often lately because it always sounds so demeaning. But in general, a lot older than the target audience remains for Dragon Ball. And so I was watching the series, that specific part of the series at a point where I already knew what was happening, who these characters were. I wasn't calling him Dr. Jiro because I had years of knowing him as Dr. Gero. I wasn't calling him Paikon because I had years of calling him Paikuhan. Paikuhan, yeah. I I really want to stick with Gohan transforming there for a moment because I think this is a great example of not being able to place yourself in a situation where you don't know what you don't know. So you already said, what's Gohan transformation there what's it called so okay so yeah, super saiyan 2 <laughs> right exactly but you knew that before even seeing it no no okay technically no no no. i didn't i didn't know that that was quote-unquote super saiyan 2 i okay. just was like oh go gohan is doing some kind of like power up and because he snapped and he's gonna fight cell no i didn't have a perception of oh that's super saiyan 2 no i didn't gotcha. have it. okay all right well that's quasi interesting to where i'm going with this thanks for not backing me up at all however <laughs> sorry <laughs> that scene in japanese and i mean there's this terminology in the dub at the time ascended where ascended means everything and nothing at the same time so we all just know that as super saiyan 2 think about it for a second though the first time that anyone uses the phrase super saiyan 2 is when goku is describing all of the transformations to majin buu and then we get that Mm. and this is super saiyan 3 so we just had this giant span of chapters where that's not called anything Gohan just transformed. And so our big question was, huh, so what did people in Japan call it? Was there a name for it? And so we dug back into uh, there's uh, comic adaptations of the movies and the TV specials. Uh, We would call it Animanga, where they basically just take screenshots and put them into uh, a manga arrangement with speech bubbles and stuff. It's redundantly redundant. Well, the the manga of the anime of the manga is. <laughs> this at least, you know, for a couple things, like the Bardock special wasn't a manga first, so it's right. served some purpose. Anyway, so in well, the now back... now it is, technically. <laughs> <laughs> so in the back 
of one of these actually for the Trunks TV special happened to come out like really shortly after that aired in the TV version. And it wasn't too long after the manga version. So it wasn't called Super Saiyan 2. In this book, they were describing what we would now call full power Super Saiyan and Super Saiyan 2. They assigned the grade level naming to those forms. So what we know as Super Saiyan Grade 2, which is where they bulk up a little bit. It's uh, Super Vegeta when he fights against Second Form Cell. And then Super Saiyan Grade 3, which is the one that Trunks really bulks up to and his speed decreases. And he literally just looks like Broly. Right, he does. (laughs) They stuck with that naming convention. And so for a brief period of time, what we now know as Super Saiyan 2 was called Super Saiyan Grade 5. Yeah, and and that is very one of those products of the time. Okay, now we're going to retroactively kind of finagle this to be something for the sake of condensing this so people can get it. The other big one that I think impacted, I I never forgot this even all the way back then, was actually the forms of Boo. Mm, uh, Which It seems like the general consensus that, that I guess the dub and sort of the Japanese go with is that they call the fat boo quote unquote is Majin Boo, even though they're all technically Majin Boo. The pink muscular one is Super Boo, and then the short version of him is Kid Boo. Those are the ones that they always like go to specifically, especially because those are the three that generally are the ones that are playable in the video games, which is the most prevalent shit I guess we have. But what I remember was in the uh, in on the back of the VHS tapes that had the little episode summaries for the the Funimation tapes. Um, what, the episode where Boo expels uh, the skinny evil Boo from him. And they fight, and then they, and then you know, evil Boo absorbs him. I believe now. Okay, help me. Is is that when he absorbs fat pink Boo and becomes muscular badass Boo? Is that still technically called evil Boo, or is that technically called Super Boo? So Does anybody even know? So Super is not actually used in Japanese. You want me to give you the rundown of these forms of Boo here? Well, well, before you do that, because the the point I was going to get to is that they say in that episode summary, evil Boo absorbs the the good Majin Boo and becomes Super Boo, and then many, 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 many tapes later in the episode where quote-unquote Super Boo absorbs Gotenks and Piccolo and then becomes the form with the nose and the, the vest and a longer uh, tentacle mm-hmm. thing. Right. They're like, but then he absorbs Gotenks, Gotenks and Piccolo and becomes Super Boo. And I'm like, then which one is Super Boo, guys? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. so. They didn't know what they were doing. So the, the first Boo that we see uh, is coined in Japanese Majin Boo Zen. Zen meaning good. And then so okay. the skinny gray thing that he pops out later is Majin Boo Junsui Aku, or pure evil. And then okay. when that one eats the big fat one, he turns into Majin Boo Aku, which is just evil. So he's not pure evil okay. anymore because he's brought some of that good into him. And then we're stuck with that Aku one for a little bit. And then the final one that we see is really interesting. Funimation called him Kid Boo, which is really, I mean, it's visual. Maybe you'll call him that. But online yeah. uh, for years, we all called him Chibi Boo. Chibi meaning small, right. diminutive kind of thing. Uh, in Japanese, it's actually Majin Boo Junsui or just pure or genuine. So you can see right. how it comes in and out of this pure evil, pure evil, using words and adding words and then subtracting words to get between all the different things. Right. And so so where did... The, did w- okay, here's my question too, because I assumed that the Kid Boo, which Kid Boo, I figured like just that was like people offhandedly translating Chibi as yeah, yeah. Kid, which is like, that eh, makes sense, you know. And it's, it's, it's catchy, I like it. But for... Was, was Super Boo, was that 
a fan-created thing like Mystic Gohan? Was that something that just came from the internet at the time? Yeah, I mean, Funimation probably just adapted that from what they were reading online at the time. I mean, it also See, makes that, sense. That's, if, that's what's so fascinating, though, is like that that wasn't a thing, and they just right. that's that's what it is now. Mm-hmm. Like it's super. Like they, it's, everybody sees that in, in America for the most part, they see that character, and it's that's super boo. They look at all of the different forms of the pink, evil, muscular one, and all the different variations when he absorbs other characters right, right. Super and becomes boo, an sure. asshole. And they call it Super Boo. That was a fan created name. And that's in the show canonically, whatever you want to define that as, you know, for the the English um, terminology. Well, hey, to be fair, it's better branding than calling him Evil Boo. Because, like, evil, does it really mean anything? Is he more evil than I, I have heard, I, I've heard, I've heard super evil Majin Boo also, believe it or not. Because I remember, I think uh, the, the Canadian guy that voices quote-unquote super boo in the ocean dub of the rest of the show i mm-hmm. believe he identified that because he was he was all of them except for the fat boo which was scott mcneil scott brian McNeil, dobson right, right. was his name brian, brian dobson did all of the other forms of boo except for the fat one and he acknowledged that one as super evil majin boo so maybe that was like the production name that they had like internally for the scripts or something i'm not really mm, sure yeah yeah but but that but that's what, and then you know just recently or maybe I don't know how recent it was but somebody discovered that there was a toy they produced of what is technically ultimate Gohan which is Gohan not Super Saiyan form with the mm-hmm. Goku outfit when he comes back from the the training with uh, Elder Kai right right is uh, yep. that that was people called that Mystic Gohan and there's a toy there's an official product in America that calls him Mystic Gohan that's bizarre. <laughs> Some dude on a Usenet posting somewhere from a decade prior is owed a royalty check for that, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, and I, I wonder if maybe that also might have been the reason why, like, you know, for those of you who, I don't, this is getting super geeky, but like, we'd have different names for the different forms of characters. We, and, and thankfully, most of them have kind of like liquidated by this point, but like, you know, we had. <laughs> Sin Shenron and Omega Shenron and Janempa and Janemba and U- well, and well, hold on because th- you know that's a great one. Uh, I I do want to talk about the evil dragons there because they're named completely wrong. Like not even just name them something else. They're named wrong in Funimation's English dub. They're not Shenlongs or Shenrons. They're Shinrons. They are star yeah. dragons. He's literally called the one star dragon, E Shinron, which is the Japanese approximation of the Chinese. Yeah. And so not only do we have kind of too clever. For for its own good, all the first letters spell out Shenron. But then over in Europe, I can't remember if it was like the French dub or one of the alternate English dubs over there. I think someone there misread E Shenlon or Shinron as Lee, like a capital L. And so over there, he's called Lee Shenron instead of E Shenron. So even in English. Hold on. I have to ask you. I have to ask you because now this is coming to mind because about the, the Chinese to Japanese is the, the Dragon Balls have their Chinese names, like Shushin Chu, et cetera. Right. Okay. Tenshin Han. Yes. I swear to God, the first time I heard Chao Tzu speak in Japanese in one of the movies, I think it was the ninth movie, uh, he, when he talks about Tenshin, he goes, Tenshin. I'm like, wait, is he saying Tien? No. Is that where? So, no, but that's the thing. It's like, okay, where the hell does the eye come from? Like, what is that? Like, where, why, where did the eye come from? There is a, you know, like how we have Chinese food in America that's not actually Chinese food? Yes. So, in Japan, there is what they call a Chinese food dish. Um, I don't even want to even attempt to pronounce it, but it has Tien, which it's based on this food dish. 
Um, and that's kind of where it comes from. And I'm not describing it well enough, but um, someone at Funimation, whoever at the time was probably trying to approximate it or didn't like the full name of Tenshin Han or just, I mean, there were so well, many no, decisions. The thing. They, they call him, they call him in one of the, in the old like ocean dub of like the first couple seasons. There's Correct. a part where Bulma, it's the part where Bulma's looking at that photograph the photo, of like right. all of them and together. Lunch is there. Yeah. And lunch is in and just like, who the hell is that? And she's like, oh, Tien Shin Han. And I'm like, well, she says that. It's like one of the earliest episodes. She calls him Tien Shin Han. So clearly they, they still had it there, and I figure, okay, well, maybe they're just going to go by the nickname that Chabsu calls him by. But I still was like, where does that eye come from? I don't, it was very strange. Where does that eye come from is kind of like my biggest question for Funimation in 1996 to 1998. <laughs> Well, now it's just like, okay, it is what it is. We can. It's like, I couldn't, bl- when they went back and they fixed like everything with, with Kai, it's like, I couldn't blame them for like, all right, we can't just magically change Krillin to could it in. It's They're not like, going to say do- Cyan. They're yeah. not going to say Tenshin Han instead of Tien. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I, I think, I think the nicest one that we got, thank God, was like, uh, we got rid of Guru. Yes. Too, that was and they, good. they just right. call him. They just called him the the Grand Elder, which is like okay, I'll take that, right, sure, whatever. Right. Um, I, yeah, I think like like especially for the video games, there's sometimes where it's like, okay, we have to like stick with this naming convention for like the purpose of like organizing data or whatever. But in, in the show, it's kind of a different sort of execution of it. So it's like okay, whatever, you know. And a lot of that just ties into what does Funimation have trademarked and copyrighted, and that's just their style guy. That is what yeah. it is over here. And luckily, over in the translation for the DVDs for the Japanese track, it it's all proper and appropriate yeah and also i don't think there's anything that's ever been like that really like that confusing as to like who's who or what's what or you know what is this or whatever for the most part Uh, i'm not coming up with anything offhand but one of the things we were talking about earlier with ascended where they just use that word for literally every stage and every yeah especially at at the time for sure well okay you know what the thing is and i think i said this also on a podcast at some point you and i we were talking about when the 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 boo kai episodes were starting Mm -hmm. by the time they got to the boo episodes of the like original dub of Mm -hmm. of dbz it seemed because i you know i know those episodes so it's like by heart and I've been watching the Japanese ones really kind of for the first time really uh-huh. of, of the Kai episodes yeah, they're and I've right. seen that like what what the yeah it's like the the, the I mean like they're like a stupid joke thrown in like once in a while but even then it was like much less obnoxious than the Mondo Cool era like well Mondo Cool guys all that nonsense I mean there's so much going on there I mean Barry Watson was still there but Terry Clayson wasn't uh, still rewriting scripts from up in Canada uh, Steve Simmons who you mentioned earlier was already working for them doing scripts for DVDs, so who knows how much of that was influencing their dub rewriting. The, I mean, yeah. the, the ties were already changing their Funimation as much as Watson was pushing back against them, so it makes sense. But by the time they got to the Boo episodes, the script adaptation and the, the script supervisor in charge was was much stronger, and it seemed like they had a fuller grasp of, like, what the fuck was going on and, like, what they were doing, you know, from kind of the w- way that Sabbath has often described it. But, uh, but no, it's just kind of interesting, because it seems like now that that's kind of... And, and plus all just the stuff that they've done that they're, like, you know, look to now. They're kind of a, a pillar in the anime world uh there's a standard that they have to keep and it's like okay well if we you know make an exception for dragon ball just because it was this way it's it's weird you know so thankfully the the conventions have uh kind of changed much more for the better we're like you know we're all kind of you know as you said about the battle of gods movie you know we're all experiencing the same thing basically you know it's there's no more like no that wasn't really what this was in the original or oh the dub said it this way or oh this and that. there's no more of that anymore really you know for the most part yeah for the most part there's still a couple lines here and there i think i was just answering someone's question earlier is the line in the battle of gods dub that beerus says he told frieza to destroy planet vegeta because i've seen people saying that i'm like mm, he doesn't say that in japanese uh... 
I'd have to go back and spot. I don't think so. I'd have to go back and spot check that because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it could be mishearing, but in, I've gone on record. Yeah. I think the Battle of Gods dub script was a little too loose for my liking, but hey, them's a break. <laughs> you were, you just didn't like that. For God's sake, why would you fly two feet over to blah, 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 whatever? Well, there's that. Shut up, Mike. There, there are plenty of other <laughs> things too. And my answer for that would be, my retort to the retort would be, I mean, that movie was already fucking hysterical. Like it was a Toriyama flick through and through. I don't want someone's interpretation of Toriyama Toriyama's humor on top of Toriyama's humor like let it be fair enough fair enough but I mean that's all that's a whole nother subject of like you know how many liberties is okay is it okay to take for that sort of thing I would of say course. just overall the, the, yeah the, the fact that just like we have something like as good as high quality as that now I yeah, think yeah. is oh can, is really can you helpful. I mean you didn't know me in 1999 but hearing stories about Vegito EX in 1999 can you imagine okay. me voluntarily going to a movie theater to watch a Funimation English dub production no. Like that, like it, it wouldn't even cross my mind. I mean, well, no, I, I'm I'm incredibly excited. Well, okay, this is the okay, kind of looping back because we've been going on on a major tangent now with all this geeky shit. Sorry, everybody, but hope you've enjoyed it somewhat. Um, <laughs> is uh, you know, it, it's because of also you know beyond just the lyrics and just being open to like the existence of the Japanese version and, and this intrigue. You know, it, it's because of a lot of the stuff that you guys opened me up to. You know, especially with the podcast that you've been doing for God, how many years now? Like seven, eight years. We started in November two thousand five, so later this year okay, will wow. be our tenth year. Yeah. That's just My the podcast. God. I mean, the site goes back to, like I said, January 98. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I learned so much of that, you know, that I've incorporated into like, you know, some of my videos about the voiceover stuff in, in the show and, and things like that. And yeah, like it, it's, it's done so much to help. And, and now like I, you know, anybody that talks to me about DBZ, like I, you know, feel the need to politely educate them on ah, things sometimes. Isn't it awful? Like, like you can't converse with people anymore. No, no. I'm I mean, so for sorry. The, for the most part, for no, no, it's fine. For the, for the most part, there's still, it's still the basic consensus of we're watching the same show. It yes, is what it yes, is. Agreed. We all agreed love completely. Dragon Ball, you know? So yep. yeah, cause, cause like, honestly, even, even back in the day when the, du- well, like with the old dub being bad, it's like, and, and the liberties taken, the show still was the show. Cause like you could argue like the, the ocean episodes that even the hardcore, like, you know, people who like the Japanese is the best. Like they, they liked the ocean dub with like everybody back in the day, you know, and there were even more liberties taken with that with like the fucking, I can see their parachutes. You just wait till my arm sure. grows back. But, but Chris, you the, know. the way I would describe it and the way I have described it is yeah, the, the overall story is the same. And there's always a chance for two people to experience and interpret art in different ways. Like if you and I looked at a painting, we might come away with different things. That being said, if we both watched the Japanese version of Gohan transforming against Cell. We're, we're going to hear the exact same thing with the exact same tone, um, that music, the way it comes in, and we might feel differently about it, but we're going to experience the same thing. And that yes. could not be said at the time for Funimation's English dub, even though, no. yes, Gohan still transformed and it was still mostly for the exact same reasons, and then he still went on a rampage and he still got very evil and he had to like tone himself. Like, all that, yes, was the same. But the way I described it was, when I'm describing my love of that scene and my experience with that scene, I'm explaining kind of a different scene than the nine-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old, whatever, at that time watching it dubbed for the first time. And yeah. that's, I'm comfortable saying this now, that's not to take away from their experience. It was a great experience. It was an awesome show that they loved and they watched as a show. Awesome. We are now in a world where I know someone watched an episode of Kai and I watched an episode of Kai. Doesn't really matter what language we watch then. Yep. Like almost absolutely. worldwide now. And that's yep. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I and I'm really glad now that we do have that 
that. And, you know, because even just, it's exciting for me to just go back and watch it again. And, and I mean, you know, kind of looking ahead with, <coughs> ahead with this new movie, uh, you know, because of the stuff that I learned from the Japanese version, and now, you know, even adding to that with uh, fixing stuff with Kai, Frieza has become my favorite of, like, the big three, you know, villains mm-hmm. over the course of all of Z, to where, like, oh my god, a whole movie about where Frieza comes back and he's the main antagonist. I'm so fucking hyped for that. I cannot wait to watch this, you know. Again, can you um, can you imagine 1999 Vegito EX being excited to go to a theater to listen to English dubbed Frieza? <laughs> Thank God for Christopher Ayers, and Jesus Christ. Bow down, uh, kissing shoes man. for all God. involved in decision and casting. Thank you. I, I, I'll, I'll say, too, I remember that, that infamous, uh, uh, infamous only because of the fucking article you wrote, with, with having it as a note of uh, when I met Sabbath for the first time and uh, we went to go get dinner. We were at Anime Milwaukee and um, I was talking about because Kai, I think, was just announced they were doing the dub and right. the recording was the early days of it. And, and I was and I, you know, Linda Young was announced to be coming back for Frieza. And yeah, I she was them, announced. Yeah. Yeah. And she recorded for the first episode. The laugh is still in there. And yep. I and I said to him, like, you know, I, with no offense towards her, people on the Internet really want Frieza to be voiced by a guy. And he's like, Linda's very sweet. She tries really hard. I didn't cast her as Frieza. And I, and so we were talking about that. And I, you know, just off the cuff, I was like, Oh, you know, J. Michael Tatum. And he was like, I, well, yeah, I, I could see that. Or maybe Christopher Ayers. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, you know, lo and behold, months pass and that's exactly what we got. And thank Christ. Cause just, Oh God, the Frieza, the Frieza fight now is like, it's watchable both for it being not 700 episodes and also for it being uh you know just in in both languages now very well performed by you know the incredible Ryusei Nakao who I'm looking forward to hearing going ape shit on Resurrection F um and and feasibly Chris Ayer is coming back for uh, when they when they dub it over the summer look here curb you invited me on to talk about the early days of Dragon Ball fandom and we've somehow cycled around from there to the present and all back around and pretty much the entire time it's been comparing Funimation's English dub then and now to the Japanese version and I think that's totally okay and I think that underscores what the early days of Dragon Ball Z fandom for at least me what they were like because we had this slow dub coming out and Funimation went through all these business changes with losing Saban as their distributor having to take it in-house those early productions like uh, Sleeping Princess Devil's Castle in 1998 and then the season three in 99. So my life, my fandom at the time was comparing the English dub and the Japanese version. That's not what Dragon Ball Z fandom is is defined as no. anymore but it truly did define those early days for me yeah it's why i'm i'm very grateful and thankful that just around the time that i was getting into it and thankfully to just my open and curious mind which not everybody who grows up with something and they don't want it to change they they have their precious view of something you know they're not always open in the same kind of way you know and and actually you know i think this is a perfect way to end things uh i have one more story i want to tell okay uh that i, I was actually surprised that i didn't tell in a previous one but I, i'm really excited about this one so the very first time i ever got to see dragon ball z in japanese dragon ball anything in japanese was there was a as i'm sure you probably had stores like this over in jersey uh because we're mike and i are both from the east coast originally uh there was this place in Long Islands, uh, New York, uh, called Collector's Kingdom, where they had tons of anime shit and manga and all these like figures and toys and things, and they had rentable 
uh, fan-subbed VHS tapes of every episode of DBZ and every episode of GT and all of the DBZ movies. And so for my birthday one year, at this time, I believe Boo had just shown up and was like wreaking havoc on, on Cartoon Network. And I said to my friend Jason, who was a big anime fan, and he had watched everything, all that stuff in Japanese. I was like, Jason, I want to see how Dragon Ball everything ends. Mm, yeah. So for my birthday, he brought in the the VHS tape that like the one that you had, although this one was subtitled, uh, of the last uh, I believe two or three episodes of GT. So we watched the battle with this villainous white dragon guy who I had no idea anything about whatsoever uh, show up and, uh, you know, fighting Super Saiyan 4 or Goku. And then, you know, he gets, uh, you know, turned back into a kid and then the big ultra spirit bomb with all the characters everywhere and all this stuff. And then, you know, the wonderful ending that uh, you and I both love dearly from GT. Gen- genuinely, it's, it was yeah, a good ending. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and, and interestingly enough, because I, I think this will intrigue you. So I heard... Goku's Japanese voice by, of course, illustrious Masako Nozawa in his Super Saiyan 4 body. That was the first time I ever heard Goku's Japanese voice was through the Super Saiyan 4 design. I yeah. heard that, and I so I said, okay, with my minimal amount of knowledge of Dragon Ball GT, I know that Goku gets turned back into a kid again, so that's probably his voice when he was a kid, and lo and behold, oh, he turns back into a kid after the transformation wears off. Okay, that makes sense. But then, you know, years passed, and I, I, you know, it was super, I enjoyed it, and then I started trying to find some more episodes, I started buying some of the DVDs that had the Japanese language track on it, and I would hear Goku's voice. By that point, I was just like, okay, I guess they just kept the same actress for him all throughout. Maybe they just, it was the same person for the entire show. Okay, I mean, I guess I could understand why they would do it. I, I must have been like 14. Most people would be like, oh my God, why does Goku sound like a 60-year-old woman? You know, as many people still are to this day, unfortunately. But but I happened to be open enough from my first exposure to the Japanese version of the show, maybe because of the way that it was, maybe because I was shown this is the end. Chris, you haven't even seen Boo get defeated yet, and you're seeing the end of everything <laughs> that just came out of Japan, like maybe like a, a year or two prior. Like, like fan stuff. So you went into it like I know nothing. I am open. I am open to anything and everything, and just and and then just the whole world was my was my oyster of this this thing that I was already intrigued about enough and learning more and more about with every episode that aired on Cartoon Network and everything was fresh to me. I had a great time. Then I think another couple of years later, like I bought all of the quote unquote Kid Boo saga on VHS and uh, and I watched those um, you know all just in a row basically. Like I watched those last like 13, 14 episodes in a row one night. Uh, to see the end of Z because I was more enthused about seeing the end of Z than GT, of course. Um, you know, but, but yeah, no. So just because of that and then, you know, with your site and meeting other people on the community on your forum and everything and then eventually getting to know you guys, it's like, I've learned so much about what is still for different reasons, but still to this day, it's my favorite anime property in the world. So. You know, you, you want to uh, talk about definitions of things. I think you yeah. you explained it without kind of um, qualifying or naming it in any kind of way. And that's there. There was a difference, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not going to make a judgment call on that. When Toonami kicked into high gear and Funimation started season three in 1999, you could count on a regular schedule of new material coming. You didn't have to actively seek it out anymore. It became a much more passive thing to be a fan. When I got into the series, that was not possible. So I had to approach everything with an open mind where it was, I don't even know what I don't know. What could there be? There's this awesome. There's this 
awesome. So like you were saying with uh, going into that end of GT, it's this is this crazy new thing. Who knows what could happen here? And just who is that guy? Why does this character look like this? What even is Super Saiyan 4? How does that? I, what? Right. Yeah, it's, I think it's that's the sign of not a true fan because I hate that delineation there of casual fan and true fan. I think it's a different kind of fan. Something like clicks in our heads. Like I must know everything there is to know. And you just seek it out. And it's just this mysterious open. It's a Maka Fushiki Daiboken. It truly is. <laughs> it's a mystical adventure. <laughs> Interestingly enough too, just to, to attack one more thing onto that. I, you know, in the story that I, that I, uh, I, I told about the magical DBZ videotape, you know, I, I had seen those first two seasons run over and over the fight in the middle with the Ginyu Force that just cuts off and we didn't know what the hell happened <laughs> right, after that. Right. I walk into a target and I see a videotape with Piccolo and a big beefy version of Frieza fighting each other and I'm just like, holy shit, I need to see what this is immediately. I bring it home, I pop it in immediately, immediately as a kid with no concept of shit. I'm like, the, vo- the voices are different. The music is different. I don't fucking care because I'm watching new episodes right. of Dragon Ball and they're fighting Frieza. Oh my god! You know, right, I didn't exactly. even have that in my goddamn mind about anything. It was it did not even occur. And and I completely understand when you tell the story as you often had on the on your podcast. You pop that in, you know, you were older than me and you had this whole different experience and you're like, is this a joke? Well, that's the thing. Like, is this, is this a joke? I was like, already you know? running my site for a year and a half at that point. I yeah. had already yeah. seen further in Japanese and we had these quotes from Gen Fukunaga, the president and CEO of Funimation uh, at the time and, and still now founder of, yeah, we're going to put out uncut videos with the Japanese music. And so it was this, you know, in the the world of however old I would have been, 18 at that time, like this betrayal from this company who promised me this one thing. So that just, the knife wound was even deeper there. We'll be making the minimal amount of uh, edits to One Piece so that it is a pure representation of the <laughs> right. Japanese product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck exactly. you! But thank God that, that one managed to come back in a big way, like by some mir- miracle of God. Somehow you convinced me to talk about English dubbed Dragon Ball Z for about an hour. I don't know how you did it, but you pulled it out of me, I did man. It. Well, I managed to convince you to, to do this for me. So that this is congratulations. This is the longest curb log that has ever been, and you you are the one who's done it. So uh, I'm sorry. You're a landmark. Well, you know, I I hope everybody. I don't know. I, this is going to be an interesting. I'm I'm really curious about what the the response to this <laughs> is going to be. You're curious. Everybody. I'm curious. Your audience, me for an hour. What the hell's going to happen? I mean, li- li- listen. I don't I don't care. I, I do these to do whatever the fuck I want. I, you know, if if people don't like it, then I mean, well, then I guess look forward to the next ones being shorter because I'm not going to be convincing other people to do this 700 times for me um but uh, but I, I hope everybody out there listened and enjoyed and and maybe learned something got something out of it if you want to learn more uh i would very much highly recommend you go to konzenshu uh and i'll hope i'll have a link in the description as usual and check out all that stuff definitely take a listen to the podcast which uh these days have been kind of updating generally whenever you guys get the chance to right yeah i mean and i i think you guys on, on that same note if you i don't know if you want to plug this too early but you're in the process of kind of starting up a, a new wiki for uh uh, as part of the site I mean, or there, there's like so many things um i talk about how much bad documentation there is out there and it's just one of those things like if you want it done right you gotta do it yourself so yeah. we've been planning it for years and i think we're finally gonna do it like we don't start things lightly it takes us years i mean i've been doing the site for 17 years now so like i don't mind taking two years to do something
something else. It's not a problem. Well, at the very least, though, there's lots of uh, of specific like there's articles, these really interesting, in depth bits about like you know like oh this this lost animated like short movie thing that tied in with a video game and why it exists. You know what happened with this weird shit that happened with Dragon Ball Kai's music and also how it impacted impacted the video game music of other ones by the same composer and you know and and these rumors that you know are still long standing and why this and this and this. It's like there's a lot of really cool stuff that you would be like, wow, I did, oh, oh, that's why that was. Oh, I didn't even know. I, I think it's really cool. I always found it really intriguing. I, I still do to this day. I would highly recommend any of you guys go out and just explore Konzenshu and, and find all this crazy shit because, uh, you know, you, you will definitely learn some new things. Uh, I guess uh, as we're wrapping things up, Mike, do you have any other stuff that you want to plug or just in general dimension, I guess? No, or? the site, the podcast, you, you were talking about the rumor guide. If people want to check out one thing in particular, it does not matter what kind of fan you are, where you come from, what language. You, I mean, I guess you got to read English to be able to absorb the page. But the rumor guide is one of my favorite things that I've ever done for the website. There's general rumors. There's uh, like home video, movie rumors, video game rumors. I think the rumor guide is a great encapsulation of the amount of research and fact-checking and documentation that we do kind of condensed down into fun little tidbits of information. And if you like what you see in the rumor guide, I mean, the the well is as deep as you want to fall down into. Yeah, and uh, I guess that's that's we're going to wrap things up. So everybody, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, for comments, uh, your early days of Dragon Ball Z fandom is all I can say. Let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, I'm not taking Kerbal topics just yet. Well, maybe I might be open if somebody has an idea for one, but obviously it'll be DBZ related. I have other ones planned with other guests uh, coming up very soon. Uh, again, in the weeks leading up to uh, and, and with the weeks and weekends leading up to the uh, resurrection of F screening in uh, over here in LA. So look forward to that. Look forward to everything. All more stuff. Uh, let me know. Also, I guess in addition, do you like this? This as this is the longest curb line we've ever had. Uh, I've thought about doing longer ones like this before, but it, it's just technical limitations that prevent me from doing so. So would you like longer ones like these? Would do you enjoy having them on as pod? Because they're basically podcasts in the background. It is. I might release this on my own as podcast. Hey. Well, well, if you want, uh, but um, you're, you're more than welcome to. But yeah, um, like, please go go for it. Uh, let me know your thoughts on that. And uh, yeah, again, share with us your stories and, you know, your early days of, of Dragon Ball fandom or, you know, if you've ever had any intrigue of the show, if you're not into the show or whatever. But otherwise, you're going to be in for, you know, much more shit about Dragon Ball. So to all my fans who aren't Dragon Ball fans for the next couple months, I apologize ahead of time. It's going to be boring the shit out of you. But there's lots of other tome content and things coming out soon, like episode zero. So look forward to that. That'll do. Oh, you know what? Hold on. There's one last thing i have to tell you mike before we end all right um i mentioned i mentioned in my show that uh these characters in tome uh called the net kings who are like the creators of the virtual world thing that's in the series uh those characters are all specifically based on uh not people that i knew from web from uh the internet but they're rather based on websites like personified into characters Uh And uh, one of the characters that I voice named Zeto yep, yep. is all inspired by the Dragon Ball Z sites that I went to back in the day, nice. including yours. So take some solstice in that. Congratulations. Um, that'll do it. That's it. Say bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. First person in the comment that I said Cyan wrong gets a punch in the face. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>